Do more explosive plays in Tampa Bay mean big things for Mike Evans? Do big playoff breakouts mean huge 2016 seasons? And does Danny Woodhead's 2015 performance mean he's a second rounder next season? All that plus 2015 Football Guys Players Championship $300,000 champion Blake Pyle rejoins the show. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Where's the music, Falky? <laughs> Your high stakes fantasy. You want to see my girl? I ain't that dumb. You want to see my girl? Check Maxim. Man, why does every black actor got a rat sum? I don't know. All I know is I'm the best one. It's a combine. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you motherfuckers talk about. It's a combine. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you motherfuckers talk about. You know these rapper dudes talk, talk, start killing. That got goons like an arch villain. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. You have a little key problem? Check out Nugenics at GNC. Thank you, Rob, and thank you, Dave Gerzak. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this January 29th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com, live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Honda and the new Honda 2017 Ridgeline. The next-generation Honda Ridgeline will further improve on the space, comfort, and utility that made the original one of the most forward-thinking vehicles in its class. It's the all-new truck with all-new tricks. Find out more at Honda.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Gerzakonatics. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host, you've already heard plenty tonight from... Sorry about that. He's back in the Gatorade studios. The Dizzle I'm Dave Gerzak. I'm anxious to be back. You've uh, you've been off. Uh, you missed last week. It was a great show. Thanks to uh, Rob Podowski and Mike Jenkins for uh, co-hosting. Uh, great great job by those guys. Great show. As I'm sure you've already listened to it multiple times, Dave. Tons of times. Coming up on tonight's show, I'll tell you what NFL team I want no part of for fantasy purposes next year, whether Dave and I will be buying into Shady McCoy in 2016 and the aforementioned $300,000 winner in the Football Guys Players Championship, Blake Pyle, rejoins the show to tell us how he topped more than 7,000 other teams to snare the title. You like Blake, right? Who? Blake Pyle. Great interview on December 4th. Was that the guy you were rooting for? Uh, He was. Nice. Well, I mean, he was one of them. But he was, honestly, the guy I was rooting for hardest. So I'm, Second hardest behind Kamira. Obviously, yeah. Kamira was who I was rooting for. Yeah, also. that's who I was, yeah. Chris Holland uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Alex Blake. Uh, Blake um, Kamira Fantasy on Twitter. You know, I've been taking jujitsu, Balky, so actually I now know what a Kamira is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, they, like told, year ago, they told us I what it know. was, and I can't, I can't remember what they said. What is it? It's, a, it's like a... Submission move. No, okay. So again, it's like a shoulder lock submission move. I got gotcha. you. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post questions you guys might have in there uh, at HSFF Hour on Twitter at Eric Balkman at David Gerzak. The Facebook page is Facebook.com/slash The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. If you want to give us a call tonight, feel free three four seven four two six thirty six eighty two. That's three four seven Game Over. FedEx inbox is high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com. Um, we're going to try to get to uh, emails tonight from uh, our producer, mutual friend Rob, and our 
audio engineer Bryce. However, Dave, we're going to be going through our running backs in review. Oh, and boy. Per your request, I've, I've uh, allocated with Rob tonight an extra uh, space. Two minutes. An extra space uh, to, to kind of go over it. And I'm telling you, man. Uh, Rob and I were looking at it today. There is a ton of talking points with how the running backs finished this year. Perfect. Just fantastic, fantastic nuggets. We probably could do two hours just on that, but we won't. Let me pull up the Blake Carrington Dynasty League. You actually don't have to because Rob printed out a uh, – he has the running back stats for you. I prefer of you. more of an organic view of this here in the gorgeous Blake Carrington League. I would say that the paper in front of you is more organic than the <laughs> digital output uh, on your screen. Uh, so anyway, so that's coming up I mean, with more of a carbon neutral solution. That is, yeah, that's, I, I will tell you this, this is more of a, a green, uh, yeah. you know, way of looking at it uh, right. on your computer. So uh, let's uh, get into the fantasy flash. I want to remind everybody that if you go to my right now and check out the forums, you're going to find a list of orphan dynasty teams from starting teams, starting at $500 on up. You can make your best offer to Dave. If you want to purchase one of those and play a high stakes dynasty, it's Dave at my You can go on the boards. The threads are, are pretty blatantly posted. There's some good teams actually. There's some uh, great teams out there. Uh, all the players and draft picks are listed and uh, you can uh, make your best offer to Dave via email. Also, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the expanded main event this year, Dave? 20 draft times for people to choose from. There's no excuse this year not no, to get into the main event. There's not an excuse. You, there's a we, zillion times to choose from. They're all going to fill. It's going to be great. It was, a, it was a complex decision because we're now straddling the Thursday night game, and that was <clears throat> always something we kind of wanted to push all the main events after that, so there was no worries right. about that. But it doesn't seem like players have cared. I mean, high-stakes high players know how to adapt to that. And, you know, you, you get to choose whatever draft time you want. So if you, if you prefer to draft before the game, great. If you want to draft after the game, great. If you want to draft both, that's also fine. So You know, uh, the prognosticator posted that on the boards on Tuesday, and I was surprised that um, there had been a, a ton of views, but nobody has chimed in complaining about it. I sent out an email this week on Thursday. I thought I was going to get a, a ton of emails say, whoa, we don't want to do this. This is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Got no emails. You know why? It's because there were so many words in it. There, wasn't, like, that, there, was, like, there wasn't that many words. People were like, words, words. You know, you get an email from FIPC. Words, well, words, 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 words. Or okay, words. maybe what it was was, oh, you know what? I was going to send Balky uh, an email on this, but you know what? He answered my question in the email because it was so thorough. <laughs> Could have been that, too. Could have been that. Could have been that. Or they're just like, you know what? This is so lame. I'm not playing anymore. And they just are like, they hit unsubscribe. Occam's Razor. Probably the most likely. <laughs> uh, let's get into uh, the rundown. Football guys, Roto World and Rob, uh, have uh, we, we thank them for putting this together tonight. I want what's to. The, what's the news this week? Is there anything going on? There actually is, Dave. Oh. Todd Monken, and you say who? <laughs> yeah, Todd Monken. He is the new offensive coordinator uh, under Dirk Ketter for Tampa Bay. This is an interesting quote. This is a hilarious quote. I'm yeah. reading it for the first time. Roy Cummings from the Tampa Tribune, this is uh, what he posted in his article, uh, Monken wants to run more explosive and trick plays. Here's the quote. We don't need more five-yard plays. How can we be explosive? That's what the game's about. People like big plays. I like big plays. <laughs> Do you like to have fun? <laughs> I, I like to have fun. <laughs> Are you just saying you have want, want to have fun, or do you really want to have no, fun? No, I, I, really, I really want to have fun. Um, I've got a 120 Titleist <laughs> in the trunk of my car. What do you say we go to the ocean? And Okay, anyway. Um, so here's the interesting aspects, the takeaways I get from this. One, Todd Markin doesn't sound like that intelligent of a guy. He sounds like you or me. You know, like, 
You know, like he sound, you know what he sounds like? One of those guys who calls into a sports talk radio station after a loss. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we're going to go to Todd and Tampa. Todd and Tampa, you're on with, you know, Buck and <laughs> Schmidt or whatever in the morning. He's like, uh, yeah, long time, first time. Uh, I just want to say, like, I don't. We don't need any more of this five-yard play calling. Like, who who need, who likes five-yard plays? I like big plays. We need more explosive plays. That's what Todd Monken sounds like in this. You know, if you if you ask Belichick, Belichick's was not that they're asking him, but Belichick's statement on that would be like, I need more five-yard plays. I don't need any more of these goofy trick plays and explosive stuff that never works. Yeah. Yeah. If I could have five-yard plays all day long. I would do that because you only need 10 yards per three downs before you have to punt. I don't think Belichick would go into that. Belichick would just be like, well, we'll see what kind of plays you run on Sunday. <laughs> you know, Five yards is pretty good. Yeah, you get two of those and you get a first down. <laughs> that's, exactly, you know, that's exactly what he would say, actually. Anyway, so what does this mean for guys like Mike Evans, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins? Well, what does it mean for Todd Monken's career, actually? I think it means <laughs> it's going to be about one year long. I always, but I kind of think he might be more of like a, like just a, a place – not a placeholder. What do you call it? A, like a marionette? Because Dirk Ketter's calling the plays right. in Tampa. And Dirk Ketter, he was, again, correct me if I'm wrong, he was the Falcons coordinator yeah. Yeah. when Tony Gonzalez, at the twilight of his career, yeah. which lasted a decade. <laughs> right. Um, right. That that period of time where he was getting all those targets. So he loves to throw the tight ends. I, I think Austin Spray and Jenkins will, just with Ketter in general, will do well. And I do think that Mike Evans will get a few more bombs thrown his way. It doesn't mean he's going to do a lot better. But. A lot of people were really high on Mike Evans coming into his sophomore year, given his great rookie season, and he kind of underwhelmed, had a ton of drops. I'm not worried by the drops too much because that just means he was being targeted a ton. And, and, ja- and James, he had a lot of injuries. And he had some injuries. And Jameis Winston obviously was a rookie this past year, so you're going to have another season of those guys getting chemistry. I really, I think Evans – is is going to be a strong buy in in drafts this year. I think he's going to be a little bit undervalued, unless the hype train goes out of control. Well, and I also, you know, Vincent Jackson, he's pretty much done. He's over with. I agree. So you're pretty much putting him out to pasture, so you're you're going to get a few more targets for Evan. Marcus Mariota is leading what new offensive coordinator Terry Robisky wants to be a balanced offense in Tennessee next year. This is from Jim Wyatt from TitansOnline.com. Robisky said the Titans are going to try to have a balance of run and pass, but it's going to determine be determined on a game-by-game basis. He's so kind of like every team. Not going to try to complicate things for Marcus Mariota. This is what I teased at the start of the show. I'm not drafting any Titans next year. <laughs> I, honestly. Like, I might say Mariota. I like Mariota. Mariota maybe as like a backup. Mariota qu- or Mariota? Mariota. Maybe as a backup quarterback, unless you're Roger Goodell, and it's Mariota. Um, I'm going to call him Mariota. I fine. Um uh, unless it's at the very end of the draft, maybe, but I'm not over-investing in him. I'm not taking any running backs. I'm not taking DGB. I'm not taking Kendall Wright. Delaney Walker, I don't even think I, I – the thing is, oh, you gotta take Delaney Walker. they take they, – they hire – who's Mike Malarkey, the most uninspiring head coaching choice. They get a retread in Terry Robisky, uh to run the offense. And correct me if I'm wrong, did um, – who's the guy from Pittsburgh? Dick LeBeau. Didn't he get promoted, promoted to def- defensive coordinator? And yeah. this was a guy who – was a legend in Pittsburgh, and they kind of forced him out because his yeah. defenses last few years there were terrible. Well, you know, you know how they pick coaches in Tennessee. They say, "Well, I have to check my Rolodex to see, you know, what coaches are available." And you know what they do? They go and actually check a real Rolodex. <laughs> they're actually flipping through all the, the right. pieces of paper, and they're all like, yellowed out. Right. That's what they do. Buddy Ryan, what's he up to? <laughs> Ditka, he's yeah. just announcing now, right? Now, now, what happened to that Dave Wanstead guy? <laughs> 
What, what's he doing? How's his mustache? Hey, so, somebody go down to the bar and get Richie Kotite. We need to <laughs> we need to talk to him. Wayne Font. Oh, Wayne Font. That's oh. another great one too. Um, so anyway, uh, ch- question in the chat room. Mint, Jeremy Hill, sell or hold in Dynasty right now? Con- conspicuously left out buy. So you're not. <laughs> You're not buying Jeremy Hill in Dynasty. I don't own Jeremy Hill in any Dynasty leagues right now. I think if I had him, I'd be holding him. I don't know if I would be necessarily selling him unless I could get like 90 cents on the dollar. And we're, spoiler alert, we'll be talking a little Jeremy Hill at the end of the show. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, it doesn't seem, I, I would never like to talent coming into the NFL, so that was one where I wouldn't have minded selling him right away um, right. after his rookie year. But I don't know. He just, he's a little, he's not an explosive back. You know, he, he did well his rookie year. I don't know. I, I don't what was it? What would do, has there been a big explanation for what happened? In, he in had I I want to say ten fewer carries or ten more carries this year than he did in his rookie year. So his carries were almost the same, mm-hmm. but he wasn't busting off those big runs yeah. that he was last year. Yeah, so ma- I don't I don't know. Maybe that's just a maybe, um, maybe he's a hold. I mean, because sometimes you just get a sophomore slump too. That could be. That yeah. could be. Giovanni Bernard not going anywhere though. Looks pretty good. Yeah, well, that's true. We'll talk about it a little bit later. It's a, it's a good offense, so it's a, you know, it's a playoff caliber. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no Huey Jackson, though. He's gone in Cleveland, so we'll see. what. And and we have Marvin Jones and the other guy, uh, Muhammad Sanu, <laughs> both as free agents <laughs> oh. next year, too. So that could that Cincy def- uh, offense could look a little bit different than it did in 2015. Chicago Bears impending free agent running back Matt Forte says he hasn't had any meaningful contract talks with the Bears uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, according to Jeff Dickerson from ESPNChicago.com. Forte, of course, 30 years old. Jeremy Langford looked really good this past year. If you had to look in the Gerzak crystal ball for 2016, is Langford the bell cow there? Or do you think Chicago picks somebody up via free agency or in the draft that will have a meaningful role in that backfield? If I had to guess, I would think it's Langford, but, you know, Forte's agent is an idiot. He should just sign him to a one-year, $2.4 million deal or something like that. No one's going to pay up for a guy like Forte. He's old. He's, you know, he's a little bit run down. You know, just be smart about it. Get an extra couple million bucks and finish out your career there. I mean, they would pay him, what do you think, $2.4 million? They'd pay him. I think they'd, be be, three, they'd bring him back to that. The only, the only way I would see that not working is, well, I mean, maybe it would because I know Gase is gone, but John Fox is still there. I know they want to start a bit of a – youth movement in mm-hmm. Chicago yeah. um, because they, they need to get fresher, younger bodies in there. So I, I don't know if Forte stunts that a little bit. I, I wouldn't think so because, you know, Langford's on a, a four-year rookie contract, right? So he's got his rookie seasons in. So you give it to four, you give Forte, even give him a two-year $9 million contract with $5 million guaranteed or $4 million guaranteed or whatever and $5 million in the second year, and then you can just get rid of him. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. I don't think that hurts. Not excited about Kadeem Carey or Jacquez Rogers. Kadeem Carey's or, awful. Yeah. I mean, he was no talent, undersized, slow. Five foot nothing, yeah. hundred pound nothing. By the way, I don't know if you saw this in the group text. Leroy, uh, the real Leroy, RIP Joe Cocker. Apparently, <laughs> Joe Cocker passes hey, away. At least at least I've heard of him. Yeah, you have. Our buddy Leroy, we have a group a group check, text going on with all of our pals that go to Kentucky. And our friend Leroy sends us texts all the time of guys who passed away. Right. And like half of them I've never heard of. Well, allegedly he's in some sort of rock and roll Deadpool. Yeah. Whatever. Allegedly he's in six. Who is the guy? Who is some dude from Jefferson Starship or whatever? Yeah, or, I, can't, I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Just recently died. This he sends that and I'm like, oh, who's that? And he's like, oh, the bassist. The bassist. The, the least important member but of the he was, band. But he was the co-founder of Jefferson Airplane, Airplane. and Jefferson Starship. So it's, 
In all honesty, though, right, the bassist is by far the least important member of it. You know, I don't want to get into the whole logistics. The lead singer, electric guitar, and the drummer, those are the ones getting all the, you know, all the, all the chicks, well, right? Lead, all the lead, gu- lead guitar. Lead guitar. Yeah. And then the synthesizer guy, he's just like the weird guy. The bassist is more important than the synthesizer guy. Probably so. Probably right. so. And But the bassist gets a little more face time. The drummer's always like in, in the back. So. Well, the, well, the great thing we about... We should ask Blake Pyle what yeah, he we're, thinks. We're go, just, we'll, get, we'll get to Blake in it's a second. Obviously, though, it's obviously lead singer and electric guitar are the... Lead group. guitar. You what? don't say, well, whatever. So lead guitar. guitar. <laughs> Sorry, whatever. Um, right, so main guitar guy. Right. Sometimes so main guitar guy is bigger than the lead well, singer. Right. So those are the groupies. Those are the groupies always go to those two. Right. And then like the drummer and the bassist just get whatever. whatever. I, I would say lead lead singer, um, drummer and lead guitarist are sometimes almost interchangeable, but definitely all in the same tier. The great thing about the bassist mm-hmm. is he. he his, he doesn't really do anything. He does something, but it's it's once you get the bass down, it's just it's second nature. So you can yeah. get like when you're shooting the music video or when you're on stage, he can do a lot of cool stuff, you know. <laughs> and I wish people could see me right now because it it makes it that's cool. More what yeah, this, this is cool right right you now. Like you have some sort of seizure seizure yeah. quality or something. But that's what bassists can do. And like oh, oh man, that guy's so awesome. Uh, we're gonna bring uh, another guy that's really awesome. Uh, Blake Pyle on just a second. I want to touch on Amari Cooper. Reggie McKenzie, the GM of the Raiders. Let me talk about him after we get done with the interview. Because I want to talk about him real quick right right now. Blake, we'll we'll let your interview run long. Anyway, we always do. So the other thing is with Amari Cooper, uh, Reggie McKenzie saying he was really impressed with his toughness. And Cooper, Dave, for playing through injuries this past season, had a pretty good rookie year. His, uh, He's going to be an uber stud. You know, I thought I had his, his line here, but I didn't. But it was 70-plus catches. It was more than 1,000 yards, and I believe it was six or seven touchdowns. So Cooper was fantastic this past year, and apparently he was playing hurt. Dave, with Derek Carr loaded up as the starting quarterback there, they have a good young core. A Carr to Cooper um, tandem for the next five or six years looks very, very promising. Amari Cooper, second-round pick in the FFPC next year, or am I getting a little too excited for Cooper's prospects. I think that's probably in the neighborhood of where he might go. I mean, he actually had 72 catches for 1,070 yards and six touchdowns on 130 targets. Um, he didn't miss any game. Oh no, he he kind of missed the Broncos game in week 14. He didn't really. He was. Did up. he did he kind of miss it or did he kind of get shut down? Either way, <laughs> it wasn't good. Right. So, but yeah, you know, you can extrapolate that a guy who is highly drafted now heading into his second season after a thousand-yard rookie season is is very rare. Yeah. Almost un, not unheard of, but it's 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 not that common even in the passing era. Yeah. Uh, quick mini, would you rather next year, Amari Cooper or Mike Evans? Uh, I, actually, I prefer Cooper to Evans a little bit. I think I would rather have Evans, Cooper or Cooks. Um. Cooper. I would go Cooper there. What what are what are you There's like a I don't really know what the, I think that's a, an ad. There's like a retarding at an MFL with an Asian couple of hats. <laughs> what, what the hell is that? I don't know what that is. That I'm is really bizarre. I can't even click. I'm trying to click on it. It won't click. It just disappeared. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it, it So Blake had to wait for that. As as much no, Blake, as Blake, Blake, you had to wait for that. Hold on. As much as we'd love to talk about aging Asian couples and their cats. They weren't aging, they were they look pretty old. Were they not old? Well, I'm old. They look pretty. They looked older than you. Uh, let's bring in tonight's look, guest, ladies Asian and gentlemen. Asian people always look younger than white people. All right, just that's keep the blanket, ra- We can't. That's not racist. That's a blanket good statement for Asians. No. They look. They look. They eat a pescatarian diet. They're they're good good young looking people. I've heard that, and this is going to sound racist, but this is from um, uh, one of my Asian friends, uh, or actually, your one your sole Asian he, friend. He's a he's a friend of my um, <laughs> sister in law. 
who's right. married to my brother, who uh, she's Chinese. They said they say they have funny faces because you can't tell how old they are. Yeah, but maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's that's what they say. Really? Yeah. Funny faces. No, I'm not saying that. That's what that's they it. say. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, it's like, oh, is she 16 or 50? I don't know. Right. I mean, she's looking very know. incredibly young. People say that about me all the time. <laughs> Let's bring in tonight's guest. He's been playing fantasy football for more than two decades, many of which are under the Team Encore team name in honor of the business that he and his partners started in 2004. His business partners, Mark Harrelson and Greg Robertson, who both have somehow managed to win more local league championships than him, introduced him to the high-stakes fantasy football landscape with the WCOF in 2004, and then they all joined the FFPC in 2011. Besides competing in his 24-team local league and some occasional FanDuel contests, he plays exclusively with the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship. Said he owes special thanks to Kristen, his wife of 25 years, and their three kids, Taylor, Michaela, and Reagan, who have all lived with and endured his passion for fantasy football a passion, Dave, that has paid off this year as he won $300,000 in the Football Guys Players Championship. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Blake Pyle. Blake, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We're, uh, Balky was cheering for you the whole, the whole time. The whole way. The whole way I was, I was cheering for Blake, especially when it came down to uh, that, that, uh, that final weekend where, you, well, we're going to get into it, but what happened with your team the last couple of weeks and how crazy it went. But we're just thankful that you're coming on uh, tonight uh, to uh, talk a little bit about this championship team. First question i got to ask you, has it set in? Does it seem real yet that you won this 300 k well, it, it does because I got a check that uh, came in the mail, so that that's kind of cool. Um, did it clear? <laughs> it did. It's uh, <laughs> it was very impressive. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, no, I tell you, it's still a little less real. That you know, it's, it's hard to believe that uh, you know this really happened. As you know, there's so many things that have to go exactly right for it to materialize, and you know, with uh, almost 7,200 people playing, it's. Uh, you know, it's, it's quite a challenge. You know, Blake, two things. First of all, I'm not involved in the payment, payments at all. It's Chris and Alex. Yeah, neither am I, so don't throw me <laughs> under the bus. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus that's announcing the show tonight. <laughs> so let me ask you this. We had two champions that won $300,000. One of them, at least one, but one for sure got a check that did not have a signature on it. Was that you? <laughs> that was me, and it was tell pretty funny that, because... Hey, tell uh, us that story. So that, Alex Kaganowski is one who signs... Or forgets to sign the check. The prognosticator. Tell, tell yeah. us all about that little story. Well, I guess uh, I had been emailing Chris back and forth, and uh, one of the things I, I thought of, because um, I've done this before at work, is, hey, make sure you put a stamp on it. And she says, well, yeah, back a few years ago, Alex sent out uh, about 100 checks, and they weren't stamped. And I'm like, okay, well, I've done that before, so I understand. I didn't even think to say, make sure that Alex signs it. So... You know, I get the check. I was about to run to the bank, and I look down. I'm like, it's not signed. Is this a joke? <laughs> uh, but, no, I got it right away. That in, in fact, I had got a previous check um, from you guys for my league winnings. And uh, so the bank cleared this check uh, basically the very next day. So uh, That's hilarious. it was probably even better than it could have could have been expected. So <laughs> typically they put a hold on those things. So so, this, so So when you went to the bank, did you – so that you walk, did you walk up to the teller and be like, um, just a deposit? And I said, what did they look at it and be like, oh my God, what the, you know, are you a drug dealer? Or what did they say? No, I have, I have a banker that uh, he was alerted and ready for it. So <laughs> they were uh, prepared for me when I came in. So 
The, the, yep. uh, the like, police escort into the bank. Let's but, put that right in your uh, Wells Fargo uh, financial account here and charge you 1.4% management fee. You know what's funny? <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is uh, Chris emailed. Uh, did she email you about the the unsigned check thing? I think she just emailed yeah. everyone. And she emailed <laughs> the entire company of four people. <laughs> She emailed me about it, and I'm like, you know, this is unbelievable. And actually, you could go to our, our Facebook page, uh, the FFPC's Facebook page, as well as if you're watching or listening to the show tonight, there's a picture of Blake and his son, uh, Taylor, holding the check. And if you zoom in on it, the check is indeed signed. Oh, good. So That's right. Yeah. So I, very cool. Can I, okay, we're going to interview you in a second. Can I tell you Alex's worst? That's not Alex's worst thing he's ever done. <laughs> we're going to talk about this on the air? At the High Society League oh, a few years ago. It's so terrible. $10,000 entry fee. So we we do it really kind of like old school. Other people might call it ghetto style. But, you know, you take a deck of cards, right? And we just shuffle the cards around. You know, and we do, picks, we do the picks live at the draft. They have tw- 12 cards. 12 cards. $120,000 league. This is to determine who drafts where. Exactly. And it's Kentucky Derby style, so you know if you get the ace, you get the first pick. or You get to choose wherever you want to. Exactly, yeah. if you want the first pick. So Alex does the cards, puts them all out there, and everyone grabs a card except for there was only 11 cards. He forgot to put the queen in, in, <laughs> into the mix. Oh my God! So, you know, you know what's funny about that is the next year when we were when we were doing it, not I can't remember if it was high high society or big payback, and I I sent to Alex I'm like, hey, you got twelve cards there, right? <laughs> and he just he's like, yeah, yeah, I got twelve cards. And, you know, and then you know it was fine. And then David Hubbard or I think it was Hubbard, like five minutes later, is like, hey, Alex, you got you got twelve cards there, right? And then Alex shot him a look, and Hubbard just started laughing. It was oh, it was a scene, man. Anyway. Well, but at least what happened was Jeff Terabasi, Cornfins, got the you number got, one pick in the right. in the initial draw. Right. Then got screwed. You got the tenth pick. Oh, eighth pick. Oh, eighth. Okay. So he was, and he truly was a little bit annoyed. And Jeff's not a guy who gets bothered at all. Right. He got the eighth pick, drafted Julio Jones, and he ended up winning the league. Right. So, like, so there you go. That was positive. That's what it's all about. Uh, let's talk about another big victory uh, tonight. This time from Blake Pyle, a one point one one. Excuse me, a one point one one point victory. Uh, over our friend of the show, uh, actually friends of the show, Chris Holland, Alex Blake, uh, Kimura, Fantasy, we brought up already. It's amazing how many listeners of our show do well. Yeah, it's crazy. Guys. People should come on the show more often. Uh, anyway, 1.11 uh, point victory over uh, Holland and Blake. Several days you had to sweat out over potential stat changes, Blake. So take us through what it not only was like watching uh, Week 16 overall, but that Denver-Cincy game on Monday night that ended up going into overtime. And then, uh, you know, kind of the next four days where you're like, I may have won $300,000. I may not have. What what was that like? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, Sunday might have been even even tougher because most of the day Sunday I was in the lead by 24 points or more. But then I think Chris Holland, you know, kind of came out of nowhere because he had Breeze and uh, Cooks and uh, – uh, Alan Hearns and those guys just went nuts. And you know, Breeze, two minutes to go in the game, a twenty-point lead, throws a forty-yard pass, and then Hearns catches a touchdown after that. So you know, he went up on me, and that's how I needed Emmanuel Sanders to win on on Monday night. So now we we had a little bit of a watching party Monday night. You know, it certainly didn't go as I would have planned it. You know, I would have said Denver needs to get the ball first and uh, throw a lot of passes down the field. But, you know, anybody watched the game, Cincinnati just kept the uh, kept the ball almost the entire first half. 
I think Sanders didn't catch a ball till uh, a couple minutes to go in the first half. It was a 40-yard bomb, but he was well underthrown. So if he had caught that pass, I would have been within a couple of points, uh, you know, right there at halftime. And then they came out at halftime and threw three passes to Sanders, a third one for a touchdown. And uh, we were pretty ecstatic and uh, pretty excited. Uh, but I'll have to tell you, I mean, I was getting texts from people, you know, right at the end, you know, this field goal, they need to kick the field goal because everybody knew I had just enough points to win. Uh, and my brother sends me a text right before he goes, he's never missed under 40 yards. And then, boom, <laughs> he misses. And, and Sanders, I think, had just gotten hurt. So he'd come off the field. And uh, um, there was somebody behind me that had Demarius Thomas. So I was worried that it was going to go no OT. Demarius was going to catch a ton of passes, and then I was going to get passed up. And uh, thank goodness DeMarcus Ware fell on that fumble and ended my misery. <laughs> how many how many point lead did you have on the Demarius Thomas owner? Do you recall? Um, let's see. Well, well, starting the night, I had an eight point lead on him. So okay. there were a couple of passes early in the game that uh, Demarius was overthrown for long touchdowns, and then mm-hmm. there was one near the end zone that he was overthrown on. And then on the play that uh, Emmanuel scored, Demarius cleared out for him. Emmanuel runs a little out route and uh, catches the pass. But if it had gone the other way, uh, you would be talking to somebody else right now. <laughs> That's just insane. Right. That's fantasy, Dave. That's fantasy. That is fantasy. Yeah. So and many, he scored uh, just enough. Obviously, I, I, my margin right. of victory, I think, going in was 1.21. Uh, oh. Stat change made it 1.11. Mm. Oh my God! Uh, so oh, I just I I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, that changes. Man. It's just so frustrating. So, so how many people were at your party? Yeah, it was just family. So, um, but but I'll tell you this: there were uh, uh, people kind of all over the nation. I had you know business partners. Well, you guys had Nelson Verbit on um, a few right. weeks ago. I think he was the Terminator champ. He was blowing my phone up because he also had Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, but I think he was more happy about me than I was. I mean, I was kind of calm until the second half, and I had to stand up and walk around with the football. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he was blowing my phone up. Um, my partners here locally, Mark Harrelson and Greg Robertson, that both play in the FFPC, um, you know, they were blowing my phone up. Michael Rothstein was texting me his pros. Uh, I think he was the uh, pros versus Joe's second overall you know, finisher. But he, but he, was, um, he was the top Joe this year. Michael Rothstein was. Can't that's right. That's right. And uh, and then I had, you know, guys in, in Detroit, Michigan were having a watching party for me. And, you know, <laughs> people in their families didn't even know me. And, and it was one of my business get partners, Kevin Lambert's uh, in Detroit. And then uh, uh, met a, or saw one of my friends today. Uh, he was in Atlanta for this and had a watching party with his family. And he told me today, he goes, I, I owe his dad a, a drink because he never stays up this late to watch a football game. He's watching it for me. So um, that was uh, my buddy Camp Robert. So um, awesome. good stuff. Good stuff. I had, uh, had a bunch of good guys cheering. That's really cool. Actually. 
I like that whole that the whole story is great. Yeah, Dave, you know Nelson Verbit co-hosted when when you were gone, and and we were we were talking about his Terminator champ. I hate uh, I, I hate all the co-hosts because I feel like I'm gonna get replaced. Nelson was great, and I'll tell you what, he See? he could easily replace you. See, this is ridiculous. Anyway, but Nelson's like I was trying to talk to him about his Terminator, and like at least two times he brought up like, yeah, you know my my Terminator, I was I was rooting for it, I was looking to, but man, my buddy Blake, <laughs> Blake, I was just really rooting for him, man. I mean three hundred thousand dollars, that that just does not come around too often, and and so that was that was a lot of fun, but. Certainly, Blake, you had people around the country uh, cheering you on, and, and certainly with a 1.11-point uh, victory. Got to wonder if there was uh, just the, the whole Team America theme of, of rooting on <laughs> Team Encore just really spurred uh, spurred Blake Pyle on to $300,000, Dave. All right, so I got a question now. It was kind of cool. I mean, I, you know, going in, I looked at it and said, how many times has Sanders scored 16 points in a game? And you know, five out of his ten games, well, he has Osweiler thrown to him. So, you know, when Cincinnati had the ball early on, I was like, Cincinnati, score, 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 score a lot of points and make Denver have to throw, um, you know, increase my chances. But, you know, as that game unfolded, I'm like, oh, Osweiler's not going to get any passes off. I mean, it was really, uh, you know, a little scary. But I, I did have a lot of people rooting for me. And thank you, Emmanuel Sanders. So I did. My, my jersey, Emmanuel Sanders' jersey, arrived in time the same day that the check arrived, so I had that on when uh, the check arrived. I got a Brandon Marshall jersey and a Julio Jones jersey, so um, those were some of my very first uh, purchases after the deal. Ah, interesting. Well, one jersey I bet you didn't buy was the Kirk Cousins jersey, <laughs> but you were definitely faced with that decision in Week 16 versus pouty face Eli Manning uh, at Minnesota. Was there ever a point where you were considering going with uh, Eli instead? Uh, not, not really. I mean, you know, early in the week there was talk that uh, Odell was going to get suspended. And then when they upheld it, um, it, it was a done deal. You know, e- Eli was playing, I believe Minnesota. Yep. Uh, Cousins had a matchup against Philly that was obviously very nice going in. And my only concern with Cousins is he typically did very well at home and, uh, uh, he was on the road, but, you know, the matchup is too nice, and then you, you have Manning that doesn't have anybody to throw to once Odell's not in the lineup. It was really a pretty easy decision. So I struggled with it. The week before, I had actually thought about using Cousins in the lineup. Um, uh, that's the week that uh, Odell made some ridiculous catches at the end of the game, and Eli ended up scoring 28, but Cousins hung 39. And I was kicking myself because uh, early in that game, Cousins was lighting it up. This was week 15, and I was just kicking myself for not starting him. So I was already leaning towards him in, in week 16, and then when Odell you know, got suspended, it was a no-brainer. Well, Blake, I'm going to follow up with that. I mean, don't you think it – I mean, it, I'm not, I don't think – I guess maybe people do think of this, but do you consider this that you, know, you have three weeks, and you really have 30 line, You know, you have 30 players that are going to play. You know, you have 10 in week 14, 10 in week 15, 10 in week 16. So it's like – each one has to really, really count. You just cannot screw that up, right? I mean, did you? Did you? I mean, I guess in the week 15 and 16, you start to realize that gravity of that. But I mean, is that something when the main events, when you're when you're heading into these playoff weeks, that you consider? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know, if you kind of look at my, you know, all my teams, I generally go with one kicker and one defense near the end, which is a little scary. And in this. You know, especially on this championship team this last week, my kicker and defense got me a grand total of three points. Um, so that was unfortunate because if the Jaguars 
kicker would have got anything, it would have made my life much easier. Um, but no, you know, I'd like to see, you know, what the matchups are going in. That that has a big, big thing to do with it. And uh, I like to have a lot of options. But, you know, you always worry about, did I pick the wrong guy? I mean, I think I was just very fortunate. And, you know, all the decisions I made seemed to uh, pan out very, very well. Blake, I think another really compelling part of uh, your championship lineup uh, submission in Week 16 was the fact that you benched your second-round pick, Jeremy Hill, for a waiver wire pickup in uh, tight end Zach Miller. And it was the correct call. Uh, Miller went for 17.4 that week, and Jeremy Hill only got an 8.1. But take us through that thought process, knowing so, like kind of what Dave just said, knowing that you, you can't screw it up, you got to get the lineup submissions right, so much cash is at stake. Uh, the the Miller over Hill uh, lineup submission in Week 16. Well, good, good question. I, I used Hill in Week 15, and it paid off for me. He scored a couple touchdowns, but he, he got kind of no yardage. I'd kind of been using him off and on during the season. And I think Tyler Eifert going down, you know, forced Hill back into the lineup for me. But, you know, once he didn't do any yardage in, in week 15, I really kind of gave up on him. My decision actually for the week was between Miller and Carlos Williams. Um, and, and what it ultimately came down to was uh, – it was almost a coin flip, but Carlos Williams was going against the Cowboys, and uh, you know I kind of thought if it came down to that guy winning and that guy doing well, and he's the one that you know gave me the reason for a three hundred thousand dollar check if he shredded the Cowboys, how could I live with myself? So <laughs> you know, I, that's the decision I made. It, it wasn't Hill. So, so uh, Blake, your three hundred thousand dollar team that went as a bulky or whoever wrote this question Robbie. would say, yep. Robbie Rob, yep. would say went bonkers in the championship round. They averaged 150 points a week, which is kind of in the typical range. During the regular season. Regular yeah. season. Yep. But you you got 180, 200, and then 220 points in weeks 14 through 16. So you averaged 200 points um, during that championship round, which is fantastic. Um, first, two things. Does that seeing that firsthand make you want to draft guys with advantageous schedules in those weeks next season? And I guess to go along with that, did you do that this season? <laughs> well, let me first say that you guys didn't even ask me this, you know, the last time you had me on the show about this team because it was so far down the, the standings. Um, I think, uh, you know, week 13 I was playing for six mm-hmm. league championships, and this team was the next to the worst team <laughs> I had of those going in. I think it was ranked like 560-something when the championship round began. It went, it, um, you know, it it went, crapper team. Yeah, it went seven. I checked on this seven. I thought, because I, when I was looking at this, I'm like, oh, this Blake's team that, that won it all, this is the 11 and 0 team. No, it wasn't. This team went, that, that team took 900. It, uh, it, went, yeah, it went seven and four in the regular season and then ended up crushing the championship nice. round, won it all. Nice. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and, and I want to say that I, I barely, well, anyway, I, I, don't, I don't remember, you know, I get it, but it did win a league championship as well. So, um, that 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 worked out okay. Um, you, you know, I think you've got to hit it big. Clearly, in the championship, you know, rounds to win. I I, uh, uh, I think my biggest claim to fame before was back in '08 when I played in the Wyckoff and in those main event teams. And I had a team that was number one for six weeks in a row, and then finished number one at the end of the regular season. But then I only finished 37th overall. My team just fell apart. Uh, injuries and all kinds of things happening. But that was like, that was truly probably one of your best teams ever, right? I mean, it was like a totally money team. Everybody I picked, you know, I nailed it on. I had, 
I think three of my receivers are in the top five by the end of the year. It was the year Anquan Bolden uh, went nuts. Um, D'Angelo Williams, the year he had 20 touchdowns. And, um, you know, I had Kurt Warner and picked him up very, very late. Nobody was getting him. I mean, just everybody I hit on 100%. But then those guys started getting injured, you know, the time the championship run. So you need good things to happen, you know, clearly then. So I, I guess to kind of get back – uh, you know, to your question, um, I'd have to say only players that, you know, where I'm trying to make a marginal decision on at a certain draft slot, that might make a difference. But I'm going to still I'm going to still lean towards their strength of schedule for the regular season as my first you know indicator of, you know, where to pick them and, and who to pick. To, to I think by the time you get to the end on the strength of schedule, you know, so many things change with, you know, what you thought going in was going to be a good defense that you're running up against may not be come weeks 14, 15, and 16. And, and, and coupled with that, when you talk about the regular season strength of schedule, that, that was one of the areas that you said you like to focus on when we talked to you last time uh, in December when we had you on the show. You put stock into the analytics and probability aspects, you know, based on, on your uh, current position uh, when you're not playing fantasy football. Uh, for player evaluations, for guys that you had in uh, in a lot of places, on a lot of teams this year, uh, that were also on your championship squad, like Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, uh, Tyler Eifert, Eli Manning, Jordan Reed, what made those guys attractive picks to you? Maybe not necessarily just strictly based on their strength of schedule or, or, or how easy their schedule would be, uh, but based on your pre-draft research, what were some of the aspects that made those guys attractive picks? Yeah, I think a lot of it just has to do with, you know, where I selected them and where they were coming up in, in mock drafts early on and where I thought I could get them, you know, based on my rankings. Um, you know, as far as Julio, to me, that was an easy choice. Uh, I had him as my number one pick, and, and, you know, in all my drafts, it didn't matter where I picked in the first round, I was going to take him. And part of the reason being is he had uh, number one receiver strength of schedule, um, and, and going in, you know, I kind of had him and Antonio Brown. Okay, who do I pick? Well, Antonio Brown had the most difficult. I had number 32 strength of schedule you know, based on what I was looking at. So that was the decision point for me. I think both of those guys were fantastic. They get a ton of targets. You know, there's a central focus of their offense. And, uh, um, you know, my challenge was how do you pick which running back is going to be, you know, a first-round value there's it's so difficult but when it comes to receivers you know the payoff is is uh pretty huge um you know and i think if you know when you're looking at tony o'brown i mean look at the season that he put together and yet he went in with the most difficult strength of schedule so he's he's a absolute stud um you know i think brandon marshall i had him as a third round guy but a lot of my mock drafts said i could get him in round four and that's where i got him so Felt like I got some value there. Uh, and fortunately for this team, I landed Emmanuel Sanders in the third. Some drafts, I got Emmanuel in the second. Uh, I thought that highly of, of Emmanuel Sanders um, on a lot of my leagues. Um, as far as Eifert and Tyler, or, I'm sorry, Tyler Eifert and Jordan Reed, um, I actually on my board had those guys ranked eight and nine overall and has six round values, but I got them much later. Um, Nobody was taking Jordan Reed in any of my mock drafts, so I think I I picked up Reed in like the 14th, and I got Eifert in the seventh, and yet I had those guys on my board, 
you know, ranked back to back. So a lot of it is, you know, what value can I grab in between? Uh, and I had those guys on, on a lot of my teams. And then Eli Manning was a quarterback that I targeted. Uh, and I, and I wanted to get him later in drafts. I got him around the 11th round, I think. Um, and I got him on a lot of my teams and, you know, his strength to schedule was the third easiest. Um, and he had Odell. So I thought Odell was going to have a huge year. Uh, my only issue with Odell and why I didn't have him a little bit higher over Julio or Antonio Brown was, I was a little concerned about the risk of re-injury, but that guy is a you know, absolute stud. Dave, I think it's clear that uh, going forward for high-stakes fantasy football preparation, there's two objects that are going to be supremely coveted by high-stakes players out there. Yes. One is Blake Pyle's uh, pre-draft player analysis, player rankings. Send it to us at uh, davidmyffpc.com. Right. And we will not ask Wayne Ellis <laughs> to uh, send us his five-ring, 47-pound binder. binder that, yeah, because Vir- virtual, binder. virtual binder. Because... Uh, Clearly, we would not make enough money in high-stakes spaces to cover the shipping on, <laughs> on how much it would cost that. But clearly, uh, both Wayne Ellis and Blake Pyle dialed in yes. on, on their pre-draft analysis. So I Blake, know Wayne. He's a sharp guy. So Yeah, he is. He, is. he is definitely sure. is. So we saw you had some breakout performances, um, not just your teams, but other teams in the, in the playoffs this year. Are you excited about the 2016 prospects for players like Michael Floyd from Arizona, also David Johnson from Arizona, and then you have James White, and then we had Deion Lewis, who was kind of injured for the Patriots. Who crushed it in the regular season. Yes, and he had, he's on a two-year contract. What do you think of those guys? I mean, so we have two Arizona players. Uh, I'm really interested in what you have to say about David Johnson. I mean, you just watch him play. It looks like he's going to be special. I mean, he's he's very impressive. Um, I do get a little nervous, you know, on, on some of these things. I mean, you look at a guy like Devontae Adams uh, last year that stepped up so I was a little bit higher on him probably than I should have been. Uh, he certainly didn't didn't pan out, but but I do like David Johnson. Um, you know, I probably like Deion Lewis right now better than uh, than than James White. I think if Lewis comes back healthy, he's probably the guy. Um, you know, and Michael Floyd is is definitely special. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I like all those guys. I think you got to see what's going on in the preseason and what's going on in camp and, you know, how they're looking and how they're fitting with the offense. Um, Jeff Janis obviously did some special things. So, uh, you know, very fun to watch. It's it's just kind of odd some, you know, year over year. Uh, you, you asked me earlier about, uh, you know, a guy like Jeremy Hill. I had him on a lot of my teams last year, and he was phenomenal, and he just did nothing this year. That was really, really surprising, especially with a team like Cincinnati that, wants to run the football and, uh, uh, you know, very disappointing. But, um, yeah, you do like to see these young players step it up and and, uh, uh, and perform very well. Well, conversely, Blake, let's talk about two aging players that were key cogs uh, on a lot of your teams this year, and that was Larry Fitzgerald and a guy whose jersey you just bought, Brandon Marshall. What are the chances of them having similarly good seasons in 2016 as well? Man, I don't know if they can, you know, match this. Both of those guys had stellar seasons. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, would Brandon Marshall have had the season that he had if Fitzpatrick wasn't the quarterback? I don't think so. Would I have had Brandon Marshall as high on my board without Fitzpatrick? You know, probably not. Um, I think Fitzgerald tailed off near the end of the year, so I'm not not sure, you know, what what the deal is with that or if it's just Michael Floyd getting healthy uh, probably had a lot to do with it. But then, you know, he had a monster game here in the playoffs. So 
Um, both of those guys, you know, they keep themselves extremely healthy. Um, you know, and, and picking at the right spot, I'd love to have them both on my team. This year on a lot of drafts, I got Fitzgerald in the seventh. So that was, you know, unbelievable value. I think um, people probably sh- shied away from him because of the stats. But if you look at the stats on, uh, you know, how he played when Carson Palmer was in the lineup, he was phenomenal. So uh, I still like that matchup, especially if uh, Carson Palmer's spinning it next year to him. So, yeah, so Fitzgerald, do you, do you like – so I, oddly enough, I honestly think that Fitzgerald, again, goes in like the sixth – Maybe the sixth and seventh round. That's gonna be one of the compelling stories because he's again he's getting older. Is he the new Heinz Ward? Is really the question? You've been oh, playing a long. That's a you've good been playing question. a long time, buddy. Heinz Ward was like the secret. You know, the, you know, like he's the ace of spades. You stick in your back pocket that no one else knows about, but apparently no, that everybody well, knows about. That, that no nobody one wants draft. to draft. Yeah, yeah, no one wants to draft Heinz Ward, but he always returns value like three rounds earlier than he got picked. What do you think of Fitz next year? Well, you've got Fitz. How many drops did he have this year? What two? Maybe. Uh, I, I, I never counted. I couldn't, he I couldn't he typically any. leads the league in, in least amount of drops, and I think this year at some point he had either two or three for the whole year. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, he is such a safety, and he gets open. Um, he's on the field all the time. You know, he's a good run blocker. Um, and, and so, you know, you just increase your chances with a guy like that on the field. You know, a lot of these other guys that, you know, only play when they come in on third downs or – you know, when they go five wides, it, it you know they're not going to get the opportunities that Fitz will get when he's on the field every play. And and you see what they you know did near the end. I mean, they're finding ways to get him the ball in in odd situations, and he's so reliable. So you know, as long as he can stay healthy, I think you know he keeps his body in good shape. So does Brandon Marshall. You know, those guys extremely good athletes, and uh, um, you know, I'd love to have him. Did you also know that Fitzgerald he's uh, completing his education at the University of Phoenix online? <laughs> I hear every that time. every is it every Monday night that that comes on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how many years has he been completing his education, by the way? Because this goes back get, six years. Did you graduate ago. from college, Blake? If you didn't, because you, you could finish it up over there at the University of Phoenix online. You you, you too could get seventeen <laughs> doctorates like Larry Fitzgerald's working towards. Yeah, um, so. And this is where I caught grief from all my buddies at, at work is that, you know, the last time you guys had me on, we talked baseball for, what, the first 10 minutes or so. That's and, true. Yeah, my buddies at work Bad were luck. like, we've, we've worked with you for like 15 years, and we got we learned more about your baseball career in, in that 10 minutes <laughs> than we had. So I think what I do is I wear them down all the time with my high school 99-yard touchdown run in high school. And, and I point out to them, like, besides me and Tony Dorsett, who do you know that has a 99-yard touchdown run? I mean, really, there's just not too many people out there. A lot of people play college baseball, so they don't buy that. In fact, they try to research to find out if I actually, you know, had that, and they they got it confirmed. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Let's say, listen, we don't perpetuate rumors on this show. Everything is is uh, is bar none, uh, bona fide, elite, legitimate analysis and and facts. Yeah, just the facts. Like, just the facts. Like Sixty minutes of podcast. Blake, you got you got a lot of grief from them about uh, your you know your baseball career. But what about you know people at work, your buddies in the local league, family, friends? What was their reaction after you had you know? Obviously, we know what they were doing that Monday night was cheering you on, but. 
when the, the when it became real, when the stat changes were final, when the check was in your hands, what was sort of the reaction that you got from those people? Well, you know, I, I, you know, like I mentioned before, guys like Nelson Verbit, you know, it's almost like he was more excited than I was. I was just kind of still in shock. Um, it, you know, the guys that I play with uh, or that play in the FFPC, you know, Mark and Greg and Michael Rothstein, you know, they all know uh, about the payoff. Some of the other guys, the guys in the local league, like they don't really have a clue that this is really possible. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, it's kind of like the holy grail of, uh, you know, fantasy football, right? I mean, you all kind of play for it, but you're really playing to compete. Um, I mean, you don't really think it's really even possible to win. I, you know, I know even on the last day I'm going in and going, you know, hey, maybe I might, you know, win $10,000 in this. It's right. you know, I might finish in the top five. It's How cool is that? Because I, I didn't really think I had a – a real chance, but no, I listen, a lot of congratulations. A lot of guys, you know, around have been really super excited. Um, uh, my parents are like, what, you get money for this? <laughs> so, you know, this is it's, legal? It's, uh, yeah, they're, they're like, we didn't know that. And, and so it goes back to my days growing up, I played this game called APBA and I was always very statistically, you know, focused and always, always have been very, very competitive. And, uh, but this is it's just fun for me and football's my my top passion the guy was asking me today like do you remember what kind of shoes you wore in baseball in college and I'm like no but I had Nike Sharks when I played football on the weekends when we had pickup games during college so I could remember that but I can't anyway sorry I digress Nike Sharks man I remember oh, those do yeah. you have Nike Sharks and you played football no I did I couldn't afford them I had them I had them one year I I I have, a com- I have a Converse crappy cleats when I played high school oh. football. They were you, terrible. You were a lineman. You weren't a skill position guy like me and Blake. <laughs> you didn't. Listen, like, frankly, you could have gone out there in uh, ballet shoes. You how probably would have done the same thing. How many guys have you knocked unconscious in a game ball? Uh, how many? T- I've knocked out one hey, person. Let me ask you this. How many touchdowns have you almost scored? <laughs> like me. I, I almost scored one. <laughs> Blake. Well, actually, wh- one, one more question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um. Actually, I forgot it. So go ahead. Okay, Blake, we we're running out of time. This has been so much fun. I, I we do have Keep time. Keep going. Who cares? We Who do... cares about the running back announcement? No, we'll get we'll, we'll get, get, get we'll get show. to that next week. But Blake, I want to I want to pepper in this email here. Uh, at least one email. This is from Wayne in San Antonio, Texas. He writes, "Hi, Blake. Glad to hear you're on again this week. As I enjoyed your last interview. Congrats on your big win. I ended up going with a lot of receivers. In uh, excuse me, I ended up going with a lot of receivers early in most of my drafts this year, but with on mid-round running backs. What things should I look for in running backs that will hit after round four to make sure I draft the right guys next season? Thanks. That's Wayne in San Antonio, Texas. So I don't know who Wayne drafted, but guys that hit, uh, Devontae Freeman, Chris Ivory, these are all you know mid-round running backs that really paid off. What sorts of things should he be looking for, Blake, next year if he does go receiver heavy early on to make sure that he's getting running backs that are going to pay off dividends? Yeah, so again, I know know this is a recurring theme, but, you know, it's going to be take gambles on guys with easy rushing schedules. Um, You you know, you can can hit it big with some of those guys. So Devonta Freeman had the fourth easiest rushing schedule. I had him rated at the end of the sixth round. So, um, you know, based solely on that and opportunity. So the challenge is you had Devonta Freeman, you had Tevin Coleman, you know, kind of in there, who was going to be the guy. 
You know, Devonta Freeman catches passes, so you can lean on guys like that. But if you look at a guy like what Deion Lewis did, you know, for New England, so you find the guy in a good offense has a chance to catch passes. You know, as long as he can get on the field, catch passes, that's something you might want to might want to go after. Um, you know, that's kind of what I did. I went receiver, you know, heavy early on, and I gambled on my running backs. Uh, Ingram and Ivory are two guys I picked, but mostly because I could get them in the third and fifth round. So, strength of schedules is is uh, always going to be my answer on uh, guys like that. Yeah, it's uh, strength of schedule, catching passes, two big things to look at. Uh, two big things I'll be looking at in mid-round running backs next year, Dave. Uh, me too. Okay, Absolutely. there you go. Yeah. All right, two final questions. Uh, first of all, people complain about our prize structures once in a while. <laughs> so let me I, ask com- you, I what, complain what, about it every day. Because you have a 300000 it's kind of top-heavy, you know, and drops off a lot. What do you think about the prize structure right about now, Blake? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fantastic. I mean, the challenge is that <laughs> – you know the the catch that Emmanuel Sanders made was really a two hundred and sixty thousand dollar catch <laughs> yeah, uh, because if you know he doesn't make that play I'm, I I go down to forty thousand so you know I would have said man maybe that's a little bit of a bummer but I mean who can complain about that even I mean I, like I said I was going into the last day going how fantastic this is I can win ten grand and uh, if we do change you know, because I just still didn't see it was realistic. Yeah, the, the other thing too is last time we had Blake on, he he said, "Why can't we cut off the season after November 15th?" Because <laughs> Blake had the top two teams oh in the God. Football Guys Players Championship, first and second overall, so and sick. and he ends up getting first place on a completely different team. All right. So anyway, this this is our, our final question. Congrats, congrats again on the three hundred thousand dollars. What are you going to do with the money now that you received a check from Alex that has a signature? That has a signature. Signature is on it now. Besides the three jerseys you've already bought. Your banker has appropriated it and put it into, uh, you know, Master Limited Partnerships, oil stocks. He's trying to get into Apple a little bit here, Amazon. What do you think? <laughs> well, it's it, it, a couple things. So early, earlier today um, I was telling a buddy about, you know, being on the radio show, and this is how bad my memory is. By this evening my wife had me at the Ford dealer and we were looking at a new Ford F-250 to replace my 10-year-old F-250. Uh, and I'm sitting there with her, and I'm going, wait, i got to get home. I've got a radio interview to do. So um, <laughs> anyway, we, we didn't get the truck. Um, that may be a purchase down the line. But, um, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, the, the IRS gets a little bit. But uh, I've got a friend that uh, – so – what I like to say is I like to live generously, and uh, this gives me a lot of opportunity to do that. Uh, I have a uh, former college roommate, uh, Larry Lewis, that is in the Czech Republic. Uh, he's a missionary there. And uh, the thing that's pretty cool that he does on the side when he's not training people to uh, be pastors in churches is he is the head coach for the Pilsen Patriots American football team. And uh, in October, he brought five guys from the Czech Republic over here to America to see high school games, college games, and then we took them to a Dallas Cowboys game. So they've never seen anything like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, the biggest stadium they've seen anywhere in the Czech Republic holds about, I think, twenty, thirty thousand. And this, you know, going to the Jerry World is is amazing. But uh, have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, a guy uh, who's my same age picks up his family and has three kids uh, the same age as, as my kids and uh, moves over to the Czech Republic and, and lives over there and, and does that. So uh, 
uh, we get to uh, help his ministry out a little bit. So you, you and and the only reason that happened is uh, you guys sent me a check that was signed. Wow. Awesome. You know, wait, listen, we are our uh, our magnanimousness, magnanimosity, whatever it is, knows no bounds. We we are <laughs> we are we are uh, saving the world here, Dave. The <laughs> FFPC through the charitable donations of our players. Balky, I know you're the host, but we're out of time. All right, we are out of time. Listen, Blake, we I know we kept you long on the show. It was uh, so much fun talking to you again. Congratulations on, on the big check, and perhaps uh, more congratulations, not necessarily on the win, but for knocking Chuck Knobloch uh, off the perch, and, and now you are the most famous Texas A&M baseball <laughs> alumni from that team. Too funny. I, I still highly doubt that, but it is pretty cool. Uh, I did see a blog on a Texas Aggie site that somebody had noticed that I, that I won, and they were uh, referencing, uh, you know, that I was a baseball player back in 1989, 1990 time frame. So that's awesome. It's kind of cool. Well, we cool. listen. Uh, we we've we've been mentioned on many an Aggie blog before, I'm so sure. this is this is nothing new. But I'm, I'm just glad that we're getting out there for the right reasons this time. Uh, Blake, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, good luck uh, next season in uh, defending the belt and uh, and in all your other leagues. Congrats. Enjoy the win and uh, enjoy the new truck if you do uh, end up uh, getting it this weekend. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Uh, th- thanks for everything. Blake, thanks, thanks Blake, Blake Pyle, ladies and gentlemen, Football Guys Players Championship champion for 2015. $300, National $1, championship. $1, National championship, yeah. Very funny. <laughs> uh, so uh, congrats to Blake. That was uh, very awesome of him to stick around. We obviously didn't get to the running backs in review. Isn't the show over? Yeah, it is what over. Happened? We're still recording. It's people still listen? Going. Yeah, it's, it, people are still listening. Well, the podcast people who were in the show of live. Yeah, they, yeah, they're still listening. Screw them. Oh, those are the important people. Those are the important people. For the ratings? So here's the thing. Yes. We can't do running backs and review next week because you're off. You're going to be gone next week. <laughs> First of all, let me apologize. My wife plans a lot of vacations. Yeah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. We actually so, just go to places and right. stuff. So anyway. Well, mostly Disney. So we will not do running backs and review next week. And I go to Vegas mostly. Fe- right. February 12th, uh, you'll be back. We'll do running backs and review that day. Uh, Pro- so Probably. People, Probably. So people are asking, yeah, that's very funny. So people are asking, hey, what's going to happen in the show next week? We're still going to do a show. Great. I have a co-host lined up. Good. Big Payback 2 champion from 2015. Who? Brian Owens. Going to be co-hosting the show next week. Nice. With He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's, He's uh, got, got a lot of main event experience. He's won a lot of money in the FFPC. Yeah, He's, Brian Owens. Yeah, that's a good That's good. That's a good get. Yeah, good catch. I'm very excited nice. to have him on co-hosting next week. I want to thank Blake Pyle, Honda, Gatorade, FedEx. Uh, the FFPC, of course, uh, and, Rob. And uh, Nutrigenics. And Nutrigenics, Bryce. Most of all, all of our listeners are sticking it out uh, for these extra few minutes that we're on. So, again, next week, Brian Owens won $30,000 in the big payback uh, this past year. He's going to co-host with me. You're going to be back on February 12th. We're going to hopefully have the world-famous playoff champ on the show that all week, right. too. So. It was a girl one year. It could be a him or her. Uh, it could be a woman. We'll see. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our show this week. Thanks again so much for listening. Enjoy the Pro Bowl if you're watching us this week. Come on. Now. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. You don't stop.